picking, picking the right road in life, picking the right road in life can be a bit challenging. Picking the right road financially, picking the right road relationally, picking the right road spiritually, it can be a bit challenging because, because the choices are now, the outcomes are later. Often the outcomes are much, 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 much later. Uh, think, I mean, th- there's a delayed reaction in life between what you choose and the road you choose to get on and the destination where you end up. Uh, here's, a, here's several examples of that. You take your first cigarette puff at 15, delayed reaction, emphysema at 50. It doesn't always happen, but it takes a while. Uh, casual sex as a teenager <gasps> that ends up as cervical cancer or maybe infertility later on. Or on the positive end of things, you invest like a dog in your 20s and 30s and you whack away money in an IRA or some kind of investment portfolio and when you're 60, you retire stinking rich. See, there's this connection. There's this connection. But it's it's a delayed delayed thing. It's a delayed reaction. Those things are well-documented those connections between the things we just talked about. Some people would say they're obvious, but a lot of the choices that we have in life aren't so obvious. A lot of the choices that we have in life, it's it's murky as to, well, if I get on this road, is it actually going to, where is it going to end up? Last week, we talked about the fact that it's good to get advice, and we talked about where to get advice from. And if you're like me, there's been at least one time, at least once in your life where you ignored good advice. Let me explain. When I was a young man, I had a condition, a medical condition I still have, but I ignored both my body and my doctor. Um, This has something to do with your colon not working right, and it spasms. It freaks out. Um, And there are certain foods that you can eat that are really, really painful. So when Jenny and I were dating, when we were engaged, when we were first married, if I ate the wrong thing or I did the wrong diet stuff, food intake stuff, I, it hurt. I have a high tolerance for pain. I almost severed my arm once. I mean, I've, I've had all kinds of things. I, I take it from mom. It's like, pain? I laugh at pain. <laughs> okay? But, but this, this colon stuff, it would get so bad. I would be like in the fetal position on the floor going, hospital, call 911. <laughs> you know it's bad when any man is like, you know, sure, I'll go in an ambulance, no problem. <laughs> you can even turn on the lights. That's great. <laughs> we'll get there faster, okay? For years, I ignored it. But you know what? Today, it doesn't matter how much I love you, I'm not eating your broccoli. It's not going to happen. Why? Because I don't want to be in the fetal position on the floor. And when I was young, I ignored my body. I ignored what my doctor told me to do. There was another time uh, we were on tour. We had graduated from college, and we had the 60-member uh, Wheaton College Wind Ensemble, and we went on this big tour out west in the Colorado and the Rockies all in, in the first part of summer after graduation. We had a 50- or 60-passenger bus. We had a minivan, and then we had a 15-passenger equipment van. We had taken out all the seats, and we loaded it up with, like, timpanies and tubas and, you know, big equipment. And one of the guys in the band, his dad was a dentist and had this ginormous house up in the mountains overlooking this, you know, wonderful Swedish valley or whatever, okay? So we were all going to go up uh, to Dr. Dom's and, and, have, and he would feed us 
lunch, and it would be just this great experience. And when we got on the road to go up to that part, the bus driver that we had hired started, you know, barking. And he started going, we shouldn't be going up this road. This is not a wise thing. I don't think the bus is going to make it. We won't make it around some of these turns. In fact, I don't think your equipment van is going to make it up the hill. We should not be going up the road. Oh, we'll be fine. I was the president of the Wind Ensemble, and I knew we would make it up that hill. I just knew it. You're looking at me like I ignored really good advice. It's not like he was God. (laughs) He was just a bus driver. What does he know about buses and equipment and vans? Well, sure enough, halfway up, (laughs) the equipment van died with smoke, and everything was awesome. And we had a concert that night at a big church in Colorado Springs. So we had to come back down the mountain to go to to Colorado Springs to do this concert. So we blocked the road both directions, and we formed a fire brigade, and we're emptying large equipment and stuffing it into the bus and into the minivan. I can't remember if we actually got the timpanies on, but the aisle in the bus was full. People were sitting on equipment. It was, you know, thank God the federal highway people didn't stop the bus driver. We would have all been in trouble. Um, but no, didn't listen. And, pay, you know, you've done that, haven't you? We've all done it. We, there have been times in our lives when we have not listened to the advice of our dentist or our doctor or our preacher or our counselor or, God forbid, our mother-in-law or any number of people, and we've ignored the advice, and we've paid for it. Good information isn't enough to get on the right road. I mean, sometimes you get the advice, and you get the right information, and you still end up on a road taking you to a destination that you don't want to go. Good information isn't enough. And by way of reminder, this, we're taking this series from Andy Stanley's Principle of the Path, and we're calling it Highways, and, and I want to remind you that we're just talking about roads. That's all we're talking about. If there's any correlation to your life, it's merely coincidental, okay? But we want to talk about roads because there's some things that are true about life that we really want us all to understand and get because there's a way life works, and when you understand how life works, you can make good decisions. Information isn't always enough. Choosing the right road, choosing the right path, begins with a dirty little word. It's a dirty word. It's a bad word. It's a word that we don't want to use in America right now. It's an evil word. Do you know what the word is? Submission. Bad word. Evil word. Let's not think of that word. No, not in church. Okay, yes. Submission. Submission. The way to get on the right road actually begins with submission, but not submission to a person or to a king or to your parents or your mother-in-law but submission to the one who knows you best and who knows what's best for you. And that person is God. Submission to God. That's how to get on the right road. The thing is, though, we don't always like to be told what to do, do we? I have, uh, I, I have the freedom to share one kid's story today, so I have to pay out money for this. My oldest has this habit of... Uh, telling the two girls what to do. So not only will he instruct them what to do, he will tell them how to do things. It's great. It's like he channels some kind of cosmic energy and becomes a third parent. And so Jillian will put her hands on her hips, her face will turn beet red, and she'll go, John Mark, you're not the boss of me. And when I hear her say that on the inside, you know what I'm doing? 
go, Jill. You tell him, ah, stand up. That's right. You tell him he can't tell you what to do. He's not your parent. Okay? And because I, I get it, I understand. And so none of us likes to be told, none of us likes to be told what to do. And that's why I cheer, cheer, cheer Jillian on when she is standing up to her brother. But uh, we all like to be independent. There's that streak in us. We, we, we like to be our own boss. And when we do that, it takes us down roads that can be really bad. If ever there was a man that could trust his own ability or trust his own wisdom, it would be Solomon. Of all the people who've ever lived, the Bible says that Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived. And today I want to peer into his life and to look at something he said. And in order to peer into his life, uh, I want to look at how he started out. Don't, don't flip there. I'm going to tell you something that happened to him. It's utterly amazing. Last three weeks, I've, I've uh, told you the same thing. Hopefully that you're getting it, okay? Solomon wrote three books in the Bible. He wrote the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the song of... <gasps> yes, he did. And those three books are called wisdom literature, ironically. And in, in, in when he started out, when his father died and he became king, something happened that had never happened before in human history. Solomon got something no one else has ever been granted, ever. And it's found in 1 Kings. This is what happened. So David's dead. Solomon is, uh, is the new king. And this is what the Bible says. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I'll give it to you. Come on. There are Disney movies built on this premise, only it's not God, it's a fairy godmother, right? What would you do? The God of the universe, the God who makes everything, made everything, sustains everything, the big God, that God comes to you and says, what do you want? Ask for anything and I will give it to you. I mean, it's like the cosmic lottery. Well, this is what Solomon does. Solomon thinks about it for a moment, and this is what he says. Give me an understanding mind that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great nation of yours? Give me wisdom. Well, God is so stoked at what Solomon asked for, he goes ahead and says, okay, well, I'm just going to make you the richest, the biggest. You're, you're, it's going to expand. All the nations are going to bow before you. I'm just going to throw it on anyway, just as gravy. I love the answer. Thank you, wisdom. Ding! Solomon, you're awesome. Okay? So God makes, in essence, Solomon the wisest person that's ever lived. So if, any, if any, there was ever anyone who could say, you know what? I don't need advice. I don't need to ask what God thinks. I can make my own decisions. It would be him, right? He would be the guy who could kind of go on autopilot. But this is where we're going to be today, and it's in Proverbs chapter 3, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. This is what Solomon has to say, and he says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Um, in the old versions, it's lean not on your own understanding. Um, Solomon knew better than to trust his own judgment. He knew better than to, to lean on what he knew to make his own decisions. And he says right here in Proverbs chapter 3, don't, don't trust your heart to make decisions. Trust God with your heart. Trust God with everything. Trust God to help you to make 
right decisions. Lean on the Lord rather than your own understanding. In other words, choosing the best road in life begins with submission. And when you and I are considering options, when we're making decisions, it's a good thing to have this posture with God. And, and here's a version of a prayer that you can pray when you're making decisions. Hey, God, I'm leaning on you. I'm leaning on you. I'm going to choose to lean on you and not my education and not my experience. Hey, God, when it comes to this decision, I know there's the herd mentality, there's conventional wisdom, but you know what? If it conflicts with what I find in your word, I'm going to choose you in your word, not conventional wisdom. Hey, God, my emotions, they're all over the map. I feel this, I feel that. If my emotions are in conflict, again, with your law, with your word, I'm going to choose you. I'm going to choose your word over what I'm feeling. It's an excellent place to start. And, and he continues on, Proverbs 3, verse 6. Seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. Seek his will in all you do. Acknowledge him in all your ways. That's the NIV way of putting it. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And it doesn't say acknowledge him in some of your ways, does it? Acknowledge him in some of what you do. No, 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 it's all. In other words, if you're dating, if you're hoping to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright and you're dating, acknowledge him in all of your dating ways. If you're married, acknowledge him in all of your married ways, how you interact with your spouse, etc., etc. Acknowledge him in all of your financial ways. When you're doing the tax return at the end of the year and, and there's that part of you and you're wanting to fudge and you know it's lying, okay? No, no, wait, wait a minute. Acknowledge him in all your financial ways. Acknowledge him in all your TV ways. Acknowledge him in all your career ways. See, all of a sudden it takes on new meaning. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And he makes this promise. When you do that, seek his will in all you do, and he will direct your paths. In other words, when you start off with submission, when you start off with that posture with God, he'll actually make it clear, make it obvious, the road to take. That's the promise here in this, in this verse. If we trust God, if we lean on his understanding, the old version says he'll make your path straight. What that means is he'll make it obvious. It's this road. Get on this road. Ding, 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 ding. Okay? That's a good thing to have in life. Sadly, the man who penned these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit didn't listen to himself, didn't listen to God. At the end of Solomon's life, this is what happened. And I want to tell you what happened. It's found in 1 Kings. Solomon, later in life, decided to marry Pharaoh's daughter. And then after he married Pharaoh's daughter, he married a bunch of other women that were daughters of other kings. God's law was very clear. In the Old Testament, don't marry foreign women. And we won't get into all the reasons for it, okay? But that was, that, that was a rule. The rule was in there. Don't marry foreign women, including the king. The king was not exempt from that law. But back then, if you were a king, it was good, it was good wisdom, it was common sense to, to marry daughters of other kings. Think about this. I married to Pharaoh's daughter. Together, we now have grandchildren. And Pharaoh, these are Pharaoh's grandchildren. The likelihood that he will come and attack and burn the city down and kill everyone inside is a little less. It's his grandkids behind the gate, <laughs> okay, in the palace. And so they would do that. It was a common thing. 
But God didn't want them to trust in marriages like that. God wanted them to trust in him for their protection. And this is what the Bible says. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women. And besides Pharaoh's daughters, he married women from Moab, Ammon, Eden, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. In verse 2, the Lord had clearly instructed his people not to intermarry with those nations because the women they married would lead them to worship their gods. Yet, Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Unfathomable, okay? Sure enough, and sure enough, they led his heart away from God. The very thing God wanted most, a relationship, these women led his heart away. The very thing that Solomon wanted to do the most, secure Israel, okay, so he married all of these daughters of all of these other kings, and in his mind he's thinking, I'm strengthening the nation, I'm making sure that we won't be attacked, that that we'll be okay, that we'll be solid. When he died, the nation is split in half, And year after year, they're attacked on all sides by all these other nations. The very thing he sought to avoid by doing his own thing actually happened. He weakened the nation of Israel by ignoring what God wanted. Here's some questions I want to pose today. All right, in light of this whole dirty word, submission. I know, it's a dirty word. I don't like the word either, any more than you do. But I want to end up some great places in life. And I, I really do believe God has my best interest at heart. And he doesn't just love me. He loves you too. And he has your best interest at heart. All right, here's question number one. In what areas of your life do you find it easiest to surrender or submit to God? What are the easy areas? And then, more importantly, in what areas do you find it most difficult? Are there areas of your life where you're reluctant to have open hands, so to speak, when it comes to God and what God wants? Maybe it's with some of your money or with, with how you relate to your spouse. I don't know what it is. And then if, if there's an area that's difficult for you to submit to God with, what makes you hesitate to give him full access? And what makes you hesitate to give him full access to every part of your life? And here's a good question to ask. If there's a part that you're not willing to have open hands with, what are you afraid of? I mean, really, what are, you, what, are you, what are you afraid he's going to ask or do to you or insist on? If you can identify that fear that can help, it can help you overcome and be able to get to a point where you're like, okay, here, here it is. I'm really scared that, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand it over to you. Solomon's story, I think, should give us reason to be concerned. I mean, the wisest man who ever lived, and he didn't even listen to his own advice. That's because deep down, deep down, we all think we're too smart to make dumb decisions. I mean, it, come on. You know, your friends make these decisions or they, you know, they, your cousin brings the woman home and you know, that's not going to work out. That marriage isn't going anywhere. Okay, everybody sees it. But you and I, we always think about ourselves. Oh, we would never do that. We would never bring someone home and get in a relationship or, you know, this business partnership that we're thinking of and we're going to open a sportsplex here or whatever it is. And, you know, we'll, even though five other people have felt we weren't, you know, we're too smart for that. We think that a lot of times. And uh, every time when we lean on our own understanding, it can put us on a road that just leads to misery. All right. So here's what I want to remind you of today. Direction, not intention, determines destination. And if you want divine direction for your life, if you want God to make the road obvious, it starts with submission. Submitting everything to him. That dirty little word, 
will take you the places that you most want to go in life. Why? Because God knows what's best for you. 